He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. I love beautiful questions. Beautiful questions lead to interesting conversations, connection, and new discoveries. And I've got one that I want to share. On that note, before I forget, I have started using the YouTube shorts as a way to answer questions. So if you have something that you want to know or are just interested in what other people want to know, check out the YouTube channel where you will find short answers to questions about the sacred wheel. The link is in the show notes. Sorry for the segue. Didn't want to forget that. The beautiful question that prompted this podcast was, how do I use the sacred wheel as a learning tool? I don't think as a way to worry. Most of the time, I don't really think at all. (laughs) But the most fun type of thinking comes from a question like this. It's like an octopus trying to wrap its tentacles around a bubble. It doesn't really work so well because you can't really pin the wheel down. It's always changing. And yet parts of it are constant. And that's why we refer to it as a wheel. It moves. If we were to go to the basic creation story found in many cultures, it goes something like this. In the beginning was the void. It was formless until it had the impulse to create. So it created light and dark or yin and yang or day and night to the masculine and the feminine. And we went from the indescribable and indivisible to something separate that had polarity. And from the yin and yang came everything else. So the void plus the masculine and feminine formed the basis of everything else and everything contains all three. The wheel is the force that keeps it all in motion. It's nature herself. So it's all encompassing. uh, And that makes it hard to talk about it without contradicting oneself. She is dry and wet. He is hot and cold. It is happy and sad. It's all the things at certain times while also being now and no time. So how do you learn from something so indefinable as that? We try to dumb it down and simplify it. And there's a line from the Tao Te Ching that says, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. And another line, I think, from the Little Prince that says, words are the source of misunderstandings. Keeping both of these things in mind, because I think they apply 100%, what I'm about to tell you uh, won't tell you what the sacred is any more than me telling you that my name is Laura Giles, I live in Virginia, and help people find themselves tells you who I am. It can only point to it. You have to discover it for yourself through the path of the heart. That said, the sacred wheel is a path that nature herself follows through life. So as we follow the sacred wheel, we're following her example. When she rests, we rest. 
When she's active, we're active. She's always in the act of balancing herself so that all the creatures that inhabit her domain can survive. And following her path is a way to be our natural, authentic selves because she's within us. She doesn't judge. She's impartial. She's bountiful at times and other times is harsh. But she's always balances eventually. To following the sacred wheel is a way to learn about yourself because you're nature too. I can think of only one thing to spend your life on that is as worthy as, as discovering and living your true nature, and that's sharing it with others. When we go to school, we eventually graduate and we're done. But with the sacred wheel, the journey is always unfolding. The sacred wheel isn't codified or written down because it's always evolving. We're creating it. It has the same framework that it always had since the light and dark came into being, but it's ever evolving. So if someone says it's this, you can best believe that they don't understand it. Not completely. So if you can't be pinned down, how do you use it as a guide? Well, humans are liminal creatures too. We live between heaven and earth. We're physical beings, but we're also spiritual ones. And I think that is the most challenging and exciting thing to be because it's just like nature, squirrely and hard to pin down. And as soon as we think we have it figured out, it gets out of balance because we become too left brain. We started to form something that is formless and that's a trap to avoid. So to flow with all the uncertainty, when we're hardwired for survival and that makes us oh so anxious and hungry. So we start stockpiling food, making fences, going after security and money. We have to learn to flow like water. Those are feminine elements of earth and water, but we can't just abandon our well-being. So we're going to have to take some action and to see to our well-being and think things through. And those are the masculine elements of fire and air. So you see how they are all blend to create wholeness when they're balanced and are not competing. They can be in a space of completeness. And that's what the wheel teaches us. And the way to learn that is through mindful living. I used to be part of this really inspiring spiritual group um, that talked about animism and the wheel of life, the elements, that kind of thing. But I ended up leaving because for one thing, it was all talk and ideas. So after a while, it became unsatisfying. It was lopsided. There was um, no heart or feeling or mystery. It was all intellectual, and the wheel isn't that. But the big push out the door was the pressure to conform to a few social or political positions. It wasn't even that I was against those positions as much as I didn't want to be pressured into thinking anything. Nature's not like that. Remember, she has no rule book. She doesn't judge or condemn. She only allows everyone's a free agent that means win lose or draw it's up to you you have to be responsible for you and your choices you can be the grasshopper who plays all summer and suffers or even dies in the winter or the industrious ant nature doesn't care she doesn't play favorites i know human compassion says we should help those who are unfortunate and suffering and i don't like to see anyone suffer but i also know that charity won't overcome a mindset of I'm not sure what to call that, but someone who isn't willing to take responsibility for who they are and what shows up in their life. Now, I'm not going to say that when negative things happen, someone created that or deserved that. Lots of unpleasant things happen to everyone in life. But the people who say, here's my situation, how can I adapt to this? 
get it. They understand the sacred wheel. We roll with what shows up, adapt, and keep on going. In animist cultures, it's traditional for someone to wait until they're asked to try to teach you something. If you never ask, that's on you. You don't grow or adapt. It's a way of having healthy boundaries. I may think you really need to learn how to fish, but if you don't think so, you're in control. It's about respecting your sovereignty. Let's look at how nature teaches, okay? So today, the sun was out. It's a gorgeous day after many gray days, so the sunshine is particularly inviting, except that it's not because the wind is pretty fierce. And even though it's in the 40s, it's damn cold. It feels like it's in the 30s or even colder. I want to go outside and do some earthing, but I end up bundled up on the front porch to do my breath work because I want to be as close to the earth as I can without exposing myself. So nature isn't trying to trick me. She's teaching me. And what might I have learned from that? Well, I might have learned that appearances can be deceiving. I could learn to balance desires with practicality. I could also learn to prepare for the conditions that I actually have versus the ones that I want to have. Or maybe I don't think anything at all. Perhaps I just enjoy the time for what it is and sit in gratitude for the sunshine and don't see anything as amiss. So there's nothing to learn. Embracing the sacred wheel is an intentional way to move. So it's intention to remember the sacredness of life. Life isn't out to harm or trick us. We're sacred beings. Everything else is too. And if we view it through that lens, it becomes insanely beautiful. So last week, or maybe the week before, I talked briefly about the difference between what is sacred, mundane, and profane. And most of us live an either mundane or profane life. If we go through life dissociated, tired, and overwhelmed, it's pretty mundane. If we complain or defensive, angry, and that sort of thing, it's probably profane. Everything's out to get you, and it's a dog-eat-dog existence. The sacred wheel offers us a chance to see the light within everything. It all came from source. When we go around today virtue signaling that we're vegetarian or vegan and putting others down for eating meat or processed foods, that's not sacred. The other day I heard a woman dressing another woman down for eating, quote, low-energy food, unquote without realizing that her harassment and judgment was low energy too. When our ancestors had rituals before the hunt to speak to the spirit of the deer or the bison, to find it and thank it for its sacrifice, that was a way of honoring the circle of life. They understood that one thing eats another to survive and we're all interdependent upon each other. In honoring the animal after death, they are assured its resurrection so that the cycle of life could continue. That's what I'm talking about. I'm holy. You're holy. It's the same for wheat or corn or whatever staple of choice uh, was for the group of people. Whether it's a hunting culture or an agriculture one, people understood the relationship between life and death. Beings die so other beings can live. Through gratitude, ritual, and honoring the sacrifice, Life is resurrected and returned, so the wheel keeps going. It's not about what you eat or being what we think of as virtuous or good. It's about honoring all life and seeing the connections between life. 
It's about following the example of nature so that we can feel like we belong to the earth. We're one with the earth and the creatures we share this life with. It's hard to do that when we're so far removed from our food and the earth. So if you want that connection, you're really going to have to be intentional about it. And if there's any complaint that I hear more than any other in my coaching practice, it's the sense of separation or loneliness. And in my opinion, following the path of the sacred wheel connects that in a very global way. It's not just connecting to a person that you can snuggle up to at night or making a friend. It's about opening your heart to the whole universe. Everything from life to death becomes a meaningful and purpose-filled event. It can feel as if life is happening for you. The hard places are teachers for sure. Sometimes you have to climb a mountain to learn how strong you are. Sometimes you have to break a leg and pull yourself up off the couch to believe in yourself. There are times when you have to let yourself be carried to know that you can lean on others. For me, one of the most fun aspects of the sacred wheel are the stories. In every culture that uses the sacred wheel, there are fables, myths, and fairy tales that teach us all kinds of things about life and our place in it. Lots of them are animal stories because animals were seen as at least equals, if not superior sometimes. Think about it. Lions are powerful hunters with really dangerous claws. Peacocks have so many eyes on their tails and can kill snakes. Vultures and condors can fly all the way up to the heaven. Puny little people have no scales, no claws, no fur. We can't fly. If it weren't for Trickster giving us fire, we'd be pretty sad creatures, as we'd have no advantages at all. That way of thinking is very different from the ideas that men have dominion over the earth, isn't it? Dominion sounds like dominating, and that's what we've done for thousands of years. That's what's created the society of isolation. We see people and things as commodities to be used, dominated, and discarded once they're no longer a value to us and they have no benefit. There's no relationship, gratitude, or reciprocity. There's no connection or sacredness. Living in the sacred will corrects that. It restores the natural order and gives us back our sense of wonder. I think that's also the really important piece of this because I absolutely am sickened that children are so devoid of imagination these days. Have you seen the little fairy garden props in the craft stores? If I had seen that as a little kid, I've had a field day imagining all the adventures and the fairies were having in the backyard when I wasn't looking. I'd have been stalking them and trying to catch them <laughs> frolicking. And these days, you can't sit a kid down in front of a pile of Tinker Toys, fairy garden props, a sketch pad, or Play-Doh, because I don't know what to do with it. If it's not an electronic game, they're befuddled. Imagination, play, and fantasy are part of the wheel. There are tons of TV shows out now that explore the unknown, like Skinwalker Ranch and Ancient Aliens. I think that speaks to our hunger for the engagement with the mystery. Finding the answer closes down the door to asking questions, and I think that shuts off creativity and expansion. So I guess I'm saying that the sacred wheel brings the divine feminine into play and to our lives. It balances out the patriarchy, hierarchy, and all the left brain values that we've been living under that I think have led to the sense of separation, competition, and general unhappiness that so many of us experience today. 
Not that the masculine is bad. Healthy masculinity is essential, but we haven't had that for a while. It's more like toxic masculinity. So the question was how to use the sacred wheel as a path through life. Although I can't really pin down what the sacred wheel is, I've pointed to what it's like. I hope that's enough for you to get curious, observe and ask questions. Don't worry about the answers. What's true in spring may not be true in autumn. What works in the Northern hemisphere may not work in the Southern. Or what may be true when you're 10 years old may be ridiculous when you're 20. So I've talked about the elements. You've lived through many seasons. So look for those things, be curious about them. See how um, what you're observing parallels in what I've said. Notice what you see that I haven't talked about. Ask yourself how your observations can be useful in your life. See how you can connect and relate to it. If it were a person, what might it say to you about what you're experiencing right now? I have an astrologer who talks about the planets as if they're people with full-fledged personalities. And I have to admit that it makes it a lot easier for me to comprehend. If that works for you, do that. You might entertain the idea that everything is sacred and see how that changes things. Be where you are. Don't judge. Let yourself experience what you're experiencing and be open to laughing at yourself, being wrong and being here. If you're vulnerable and true, you will experience what you need to experience. I've seen a lot of books with titles like everything I needed to learn, I learned from my cat or from gardening or sitting in a deer stand. That's learning from the sacred wheel. It's paying attention to life as it's going on around you and finding the juice in everyday things. We don't have to have a miracle happen, a near-death experience or a spirit visitation to have a profound realization. It can happen by watching dust float in the air or hearing a baby cry. Magic and growth are everywhere. I don't even like saying that the sacred will is about growth or learning because it makes it sound like things aren't perfect right now. They are. Ultimately, you are perfect. You can't be anything but perfect because you're love and light inhabiting a body. Whether you understand the nature of seawater or calculus or not, you're still perfect. There's nothing to learn and nothing to do. If you let go of the feeling that there's something wrong and just be, you will return to the oneness with all that is. It's really that easy. It can happen in an instant. For most of us, it don't take longer. <laughs> and it happens in flashes of insight because the illusion of reality is just so deeply programmed. And that's okay too. Just remove the layers as you go. Have new revelations, forgive yourself, forgive others, let people in, send love, expand your heart, and don't hold too tightly down to anything. It's all an illusion anyway. The more you practice being the love that you are and seeing the wholeness that you are, the more that you'll be living in the sacred wheel, whether we characterize the journey in the same words or not. It's really a path of oneness. Most find it easiest by getting grounded, learning how to cope with life's ups and downs, figuring out who they are, then connecting with one person or a small group, and then expanding out to the whole world. But your path is your path. Do it your way. And trust yourself. I do dream work, and my clients will sometimes ask me to interpret a dream, or they will tell me that they looked up a dream and the dream dictionary said it meant XYZ. Nobody can interpret your dreams for you. Nobody can tell you anything in the wheel and what it means. 
they're fairly common ideas about things, but your symbols are a reflection of the life you have walked so far and are personal to you. So trust your own experience. Even if 90 people out of 100 contradict you, trust yourself. Your experience was meant for you, not the 90 people who have a different opinion than you. That said, I can tell you that it's an easier road to walk if you're not alone. In my private group, we ask questions, show up, acknowledge and accept each other where we are. And sometimes we have talking circles to explore things. We also sometimes have bonfires, which I always love because there's a fire, stars, food, people, and nature. Having a safe place to practice is essential. So consider yourself invited to join. It's free. If you have good boundaries and a curious nature, you're welcome. Then there's a premium group as well. There are experiences in there that can help you along your path. Uh, but I don't call it a course or a master mind or a master class because nature doesn't teach that way. It's more organic. When I was little, I got approval from people outside my family for being cute. And I always hated that. I didn't value that and thought it was superficial. I got approval within my family for being curious and taking initiative. So I learned to ask questions and take the lead. That's what I mean by organic. Nobody sat me down and said to me, don't value appearances, be curious. That was modeled. I prefer my family's approval and felt more empowered by being curious and by taking the initiative than being objectified. So I learned self-esteem organically. So the more that you ask questions, share yourself and be vulnerable, the more you will see yourself reflected back to you. If you like what you see, you can learn to love it and take pride in it. If you don't like it, you may wish to cultivate a different energy. Either way, you're participating in life and moving. And you can always comment and ask questions here too. I really love hearing what you're thinking and having a dialogue and a relationship. But the more you participate, the more you'll get out of it. It's like life. The same is true there. So the community is for people who want to be leaders in their lives and not followers. It's for people who value sovereignty, not being told what to do and who to be. The process absolutely leads to a sense of connection, but nothing's given to you. I'll walk beside you, not tell you um, every step to take. I've been to groups where I'm love bombed at the door and maybe it's real, maybe it isn't. But as an introvert, that just feels a little overwhelming. So you'll have a warm welcome, but it's not a cult. <laughs> I've also been to groups that have a step-by-step -step program for everyone. This is not that either. Every person is different. And if it sounds interesting, check out the link in the show notes. Living by the sacred will is not an easy path, but it can be a deeply satisfying and genuine one because you get to be you and live life on your terms while in a magical connection with the universe. I appreciate you being here, guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.